Radio Studio at the George Washington Broadcast Center. Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. One big claim in the dossier, the FBI, according to the Inspector General's report, and Waller reinforces it, is not true, is the claim that Michael Cohen had a meeting with Russians in Prague. Do you accept that finding that it didn't happen? No, I don't. It defies logic that if he did this, he wouldn't say so now. I don't agree with that. It's very self-incriminating to a very great degree. Since he's gone to prison, since he's turned on President Trump, he's told every single story. Why wouldn't he admit to this? Because I think it's so incriminating and demeaning. And the other reason is he might be scared of the consequences. So was that 20 or 21? That sounded like 21 to me. I hate to go behind the scenes here, ladies and gentlemen. Michael, was that 20 or 21? Uh, it was 21. Oh, okay. I thought I said 20. Anyway, um, so that's Michael. Uh, that's uh, Steele. Christopher Steele, yes, the daring British spy, practically James Bond, but a real-life Bond. So the thing that started the whole crappy mess that turned out to be nothing of the Russian collusion Trump thing was this dossier put together about this Steele character. The reality of what happened, I think, is is this guy hired by the Clintons to dig up a bunch of dirt, dug up a bunch of dirt that everybody knew was bogus to start with, but he started feeding it to the media... And then the media reported on it, and then the FBI, because it's in the media, they felt like they had to tell the president about it. And even though they knew it was bogus, they kept talking about it, and everybody knew it was a lie at every point. But this Steele character who came up with this stuff, I don't know, for legal reasons or whatever, has got to pretend that he still believes it true. So he's doing his first interview ever with George Stephanopoulos, and it's uh, debuting on Hulu tonight. I wouldn't waste my time. We've got the main highlights. I think that's the main highlight there. To me, that's all you need to know. Uh, Stephanopoulos starts with, like, the most conclusively false claim in the whole thing. The fact that, that nobody, nobody is still trying to back up. No. That old Cohen. What polls? Okay. That guy. Some of them? All um, of them? Trump's fixer. You remember him if you followed this story at all. Says who? That he had went to a secret meeting in Prague to work with Vladimir Putin to steal the election or whatever. And you'll remember Cohen testified under oath, I've never been to Prague in my life. There's no evidence he's ever been there. The FBI says he's never been there. That one's over. And as you just heard right there, Stephanopoulos says, so you, you know, so that one's not true. No, I, I don't believe that. You still are sticking with this? Nobody's saying this. No, I still, I'm still sticking with it. All right. So you're just going to claim all this is true, despite the, the, all the evidence to the contrary, and no evidence on your side. You're just going to continue to claim it's true. Okay, what's the point of this, then? What's the point of this exercise? <laughs> we know what you are. Um, I, I think it is useful, though, uh, to listen to the clips to see the the, the base, the, you know, the, the pyramid of accusations. This was the base of them, his big report. The Steele dossier. This is the the document that controlled the narrative in Washington for a couple of years. Oh, absolutely, and may have cost Trump being reelected. Um, he he certainly spent a lot of time and effort and capital on having to battle this, and the media covered it relentlessly for years and years and years and years. Adam Schiff built a bizarre, disgusting career on hinting that, yes, these allegations are true. I've seen the classified evidence, even though every syllable of that was lies. Here's a little more from the documentary. 
one of your main collectors spoke to the inspector general, said that especially the compromise was word of mouth and hearsay, conversations with friends over beers. It was just talk. If you have a confidential source and that confidential source is blown or is uncovered, that confidential source will often take fright and try and downplay and underestimate what they've said and done. And I think that's probably what happened here. He's afraid? I think anybody that's named in this context, particularly if they're Russian, has every reason to be afraid. Right, you gotta like that uh, minor piano in the background. They're afraid of sad pianos, evidently. (laughs) What are they afraid of? And one of the other things from the, 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 the dossier that I don't think anybody really took seriously at any point was the whole Trump hiring hookers to pee on the bed thing. Anyway. That the Obamas had slept on the infamous pee-pee tape. Right, here's a little more on that. And today, do you still believe that that tape exists? I think it probably does, but I wouldn't put 100% certainty on it. So how do you explain if that tape does indeed exist, it hasn't been released? Well, it hasn't needed to be released. Why not? Because I think the Russians felt they'd got pretty good value out of Donald Trump when he was president of the U.S. So that's his argument. All right. Go ahead, play 24, just to, to the, the prosecution will rest after 24. So you stand by the dossier? I stand by the work we did, the sources that we had, and the professionalism which we applied to it. Bob Woodward, who's written several negative Trump books, said the dossier was a garbage document that should never have seen the light of day. The FBI has backed away from claiming any of the stuff is true. It, so, whatever. I understand what the guy's up to. He's just trying to have some credibility or not get sued or something. Yeah, or or what? What's, what is his game? Who knows? Maybe, maybe he's still in the uh, digging up dirt business. I mean, he was hired by the Clinton campaign to dig up as much dirt on Trump as he could. Go to, go to Russia. He's done business there. Figure out, did he do anything crazy there? So he That's took, it. He was just a dirt digger. So he took barroom conversations, or he maybe even just made, some, made up some of this stuff out of whole cloth and claimed it was barroom conversations. Mm-hmm. Put it in a bunch of paper, and then the the press and the FBI, because uh, Comey hated Trump so much, they went all crazy with it. Yeah, yeah. Bunch of drunk Russians find out Trump stayed in the same hotel, maybe the same suite as the Obamas, start laughing, creating stories about he probably peed on the bed. Yeah, he likes hookers. He probably had hookers pee on the bed. Ha, ha, ha. And they had another shot of vodka. Then the Chris Steele comes handing out to rubles. For uh, any dirty story about Trump he can find, and some guy says, yeah, yeah, I heard he, uh, he hired hookers to pee on a bed. Yeah, <laughs> thanks for the rubles. <laughs> God, what a load of crap. Yeah. But it was good enough for the Washington Post, for the New York Times, all the alphabet networks, Adam freaking Schiff and Nancy Pelosi, Chuck Schumer. Drove Washington for a couple of years. Every single day, every show on CNN and MSNBC for years and years and years. It wasn't good for the country to go through all that. You could you could have not liked Trump and criticized his policies or his you know the things he said or whatever. But just why did we have to waste all that time on that? That wasn't good for anybody. So many of the political pros in the United in the uh, in DC rather care so little for the US of A. They don't have the hearts of patriots. They don't you know get misty-eyed when they go to the archives and look at the original declaration of independence, when they look at the constitution, they don't give a crap about that stuff. They're in it to get rich and get power. 
We haven't uh, checked in that much on the world of woke. I got one example of this uh, well-known museum that hired, fired everybody because they were white, and that just it wasn't a good look, even though they're all volunteers that have been there for years. Um, we'll talk about that, and then how it factors into economics, the uh, level of wokeness. Stay tuned for that. That's on the way. You know what woke means? It means you're a loser. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. So Colin Powell has passed. Uh, if you're into the news, you remember. Maybe you don't if you're not as into the news. Or if you're younger, he was a Secretary of State under George W. Bush, which I have to remind myself as I get older. He's a long time ago. Um. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no kidding. Uh, and uh, he was instrumental in the beginning of the Iraq War. Uh, first black secretary of state died as a general four-star general yeah mm-hmm. served in vietnam and korea no not old enough for korea mm. vietnam and gulf war yeah gulf war one that's another thing you got to remember um but um he uh died with covid i'm not going to say of covid anymore like they continue to say because he had a form of cancer, which I think we'll learn more about through the day. But anyway, here's a clip of Colin Powell from way back in the day on uh, Face the Nation. president knows that I told him what I thought about every issue of the day. Mr. Cheney may forget that I'm the one who said to President Bush, if you break it, you own it. And you have got to understand that if we have to go to war in Iraq, uh, we have to be prepared for the whole war, not just the first phase. And Mr. Cheney and many of his colleagues did not prepare for what happened after the fall of Baghdad. And I persuaded the president to take the case to the United Nations to see if it could be solved without war. And if it couldn't be solved without war, we would have people aligned with us. Mr. Cheney went out immediately after the president made that decision and undercut it by giving two speeches to two veterans groups that essentially said he didn't believe it would work. That's not the way you support a president. Then he also says that, uh, you know, I was not supportive of the president's positions. Well, who went to the United Nations and regrettably with a lot of false information. It was me. It wasn't Mr. Cheney. I supported the president. I support the president's decisions. I gave the president my best advice. Do you get, wow. the, do you get the sense that we're going to rehash the going into war in Iraq over uh, the death of Colin Powell? Uh, yeah, I think it will certainly come up. I found that clip really interesting. Yeah. A break the, between him and uh, Dick Cheney there at some point, apparently. I don't know if they uh, mended fences ever or not. I'm guessing not so much. I'm guessing not so much either. So, uh, just just briefly, Colin Luther Powell, American politician, a f- diplomat, four-star general, served as the 65th United States Secretary of State for four years, first African-American Secretary of State in American history, prior to the election. Well, that's kind of... Uh, he served as the 16th United States National Security Advisor from 87 to 89, the 12th Chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff from 1989 to 1993. Uh, prior to the election of Barack Obama, he uh, and Condoleezza Rice were the highest-ranking uh, black folks in the history of the federal executive branch. And everybody pointing to his speech in front of the U.N., which is what he's most famous for. Chris Wallace is out today saying it's unfair that he be uh, uh, tarred with that, but that's what he's most famous for. He had the credibility 
more than Dick Cheney or George Bush or anybody else in the administration to go in front of America and say, look, I believe this stuff. I believe Saddam Hussein has got mobile labs making mustard gas and all these different things. And uh turns out none of that stuff was true. Well, and I remember after the fact him saying that they really dragged him to that conclusion. And even when he went out in front of the U.N., he was still wondering. That's rough. That is rough. I'm sure he regretted that up until yesterday. Mm-hmm. Um, meant to bring this story to you last week, but worked out okay because the Wall Street Journal did a more thorough version of it over the weekend. Indecency on display at the Art Institute of Chicago. I'm guessing you've been there. One of the best art museums in America. Mm-hmm. You being, Absolutely, yeah. Many times as a kid. You being from Chicago, the Art Institute mm-hmm. of Chicago on... Uh, uh, it doesn't matter where it is. A couple Since, of lions there by the stairs, as I recall. That's big in art museums. you got to have a couple of lions flanking the stairs. Otherwise, you're thinking, I'm not going in this museum. Will lions get canceled at some point because they eat gazelles and torn down? Tear down the statues of lions? Yeah, they colonize gazelles by eating them. So the art institute used to have a hundred docents. Is that how you pronounce it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Who uh, basically it's like a tour guide? Yeah, basically they show you around and uh, and 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 show you the art. Now it turns out, and I didn't know this, docents at your big time art museums have to know a lot. I always just ask them, like, "Is the men's room that way?" They say, "Yeah." <laughs> turns out you could ask them that painting over there. What's the, what's the significance of that? And they know it because they yeah. take all kinds of training, ongoing training throughout their entire tenure to really be able to educate you on all the art. If God is willing and I don't die young, I think there's a 100% chance I become a docent at some historical site. Oh, I would love that. Yeah. I would love yeah. that. I'd say there's about a 100% chance you do, too. You know what I, I struggle with, though? And I'm going to use up all my time here as I uh, take all these tangents. Um, this happens to me at the the local train museum. The best train museum in the world is not far from where I live. And mm-hmm. I love the train museum, and I've taken the kids many times, and they have docents there. And they're usually old guys, clearly, who either like worked in, on trains or just love trains or whatever. And I can just, you can see the, the, the look in their eye. They want to tell you stuff so badly. Oh, yeah. And I oftentimes just, I just, I don't need anymore. I just, I got everything I need. And I feel so guilty that this poor old guy oh, is not yeah. going to get to tell me about this rail car and everything that it did back in the day. And I feel yeah. bad about it. Mm. Yeah, I know what you mean. You, you're, you're attentive, you're interested, but you find out their interest in talking about it exceeds even your interest in hearing about it. And right. yeah, that's uncomfortable. Yeah. There's an there's another amazing train museum in Portola, California, uh, back where Judy and I used to own the walled compound in the woods. Um, and uh, we her dad worked for Electromotive, which was General Motors uh, train division uh, throughout his, after his service in uh, Korea. Uh, he fought in World War Two, too. Um, and, and one of the great experiences we had was going to the train museum and seeing locomotives he had helped build. Wow, cool. You know, 40, 50 years ago. It was really pretty cool, kind of moving. And, you know, it's just seeing something that big and powerful and American and carefully crafted and thinking back to, you know, it was her dad or flesh and blood who was working on that thing. And there it sits. It's still running. It was just kind of cool. Well, old people and their knowledge is nice, but they fired all these docents at the art museum. See, these docents, what did they do? They, they had been there an average of 15 years each, volunteers, 
that hang out at the museum every day, a whole day, long shifts for free because they love art so much and they want to tell people about it. And each of them had engaged in 18 months of twice a week training to qualify as a docent originally five wow. years five years of continual research and writing to meet the criteria of 13 museum content areas and monthly and bi-weekly training to further educate themselves throughout the years that they were there All holy them, cow. I mean, like you really have to know your stuff to be one of these docents but- oh, there's a bowl of fruits painting of a bowl of fruit you see there's an apple in there and that <clears throat> that looks like a pear not there. Uh, I think this, that's a pomegranate. This is not what these women were like. They really knew their stuff. Trouble is, they're all old, white, rich women. All old, older, white, and uh, above average income. Or Who are willing to devote their entire lives to telling people about art? I yes. don't care. I don't care. They're still old, white people who are rich. So they've got to go. And the art museum got rid of all 100 of them. Wow. Fired them. Don't never, ever trust Whitey. Good advice. Uh, because they want uh, community members of all income levels to participate, etc., etc., etc. It's going to become a paid position somehow. Somehow they're going to find people to do this. I don't know how it's going to work. You see that fat little baby in that picture? You know who that is? Jesus. <laughs> it's fat little baby Jesus. That's his mama, the Virgin Mary holding him there. Moving along. Jesus, that's a fat baby. <laughs> Ironic you should say that. No, they were better than that. I've, I've hey, got more on this coming up, okay? Go to armstrongandgetty.com. Got a great new t-shirt to tell you about. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Sometimes you black out on the field. <laughs> in, a good, in a good way. Uh, I definitely blacked out uh, from a concussion, which isn't a good way. But uh, I looked up in the stands, and in the front row, all I saw was a woman giving me a double bird. <laughs> so I'm not sure exactly what came out of my mouth next. So Aaron Rodgers claiming a concussion caused his obscenity-fueled rant to the fans of Chicago. Disgusting. Green Bay Packers quarterback? Indeed, yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. We, yeah, it's a rivalry, intense rivalry for like 100 years. Green Bay Packers, Chicago Bears. Aaron Rodgers, quarterback of the Bears. I'm sorry, of the Packers, scores a touchdown, sees the gal giving him both barrels, and screams at all the fans, all my effing life, I've owned you. I still own you. I still own you. And as a former Bears fan, uh, true. <laughs> True, yes. Oh, True. boy. Anyway, sports rivalry is so much fun. It's just funny how people engage in that sort of thing, flipping off the player who got drafted somehow for that team. <laughs> right, right. And if they traded him uh, tomorrow, literally tomorrow, right. he'd be, yay, you'd be buying his jersey. See Brett Favre in the Vikings. Exactly. Um, Kind of transitioning from sports to the, the, the wokeness that I want to talk about, I see all the... Uh, uh, Network sh- news shows are giving 
plenty of time to the WNBA champion Chicago Sky or something like that. And you know it's being driven by they feel like they should give the same amount of attention to the female basketball league as they do the male because that's the right thing to do, even though there's nobody in their audience for the most part that has any interest (laughs) or even knew that it happened. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of fits in with this. They uh, uh, also in Chicago, a lot of Chicago. You'd think we're doing a Chicago show here. The sports. Now this. The art it's is- a great city, a fine city in an entire region, Jack. Visit now. Visit soon. Come vacation, so, Chicagoland. So the museum there, the big art institute of Chicago, filed, fired all of its volunteer greeters and guides because they are almost entirely white women with above average means. They were working for free. They were volunteers. It takes... Months and months and months and years and years and years of continued training to do this job as a docent at the Art Institute. As one of them said, it was really mostly a full-time job. You just did for free, but we all love it so much. But the apparent problem, I'm reading from the Wall Street Journal, was that the Art Institute docents were mostly older white women of above-average financial means and with plenty of time on their hands. The Institute needs to go to a more professional model, said a spokesman for the uh, Institute, in a way that allows community members of all income levels to participate, respond to issues of class and income equity, and does not require financial flexibility. Uh... For okay, some, that's going to be expensive. For more than 60 years, these crews of docent volunteers have introduced children, donors, and museum members to the Art Institute's holdings, which include, and it mentions all the classic artwork that is there. Uh, I went through the training last segment about just weeks and weeks, months and months, and ongoing for years you train. The average person had been there, the average among the 100 docents there, had been there for 15 years, working basically a full-time job for free. It was nearly a full-time job, said Dietrich Cloverin, a docent since 2012. She was the only docent who agreed to speak to the journal, rejecting the Institute's request that they not talk to the media. So the Art Institute fires them and says, don't talk to the media. Luckily, at least one, I wish they all said, you you fired me. I was working for free. You can't tell me whether I can talk to the media or not. We've had to spend a lot of time physically in the museum studying works of art, researching, putting tours together, she continued. We had to be very comprehensive about everything. Um, she condemned the critics as egregiously anti-civic, as though objecting to diversity quotas meant rejecting the nation's civic institutions. What they don't seem to understand that those civic institutions have always relied on the volunteer work of women with enough public spirit to donate their time and enough money to afford them to do so. I would say that's a pretty good description of supporting the arts from, like, time immemorial. Yeah, I mean, you not only have to have the interest in it, but you have to have enough money that you don't have to work another job so that you can do this. These wealthy women form the mortar of civic institutions all across the country and will miss them when they're gone, says the Wall Street Journal op-ed. In the name of what they call civic-minded diversity, the museum has thrown overboard a group of people who actually see it as their public duty to help the public understand art. That's not very civic-minded, is it? Says the Wall Street Journal. Yeah, I think that's well put. We've headed into some really weird territory now. I mean, we've been in weird territory for a long time. We've been out in a very large swath of weird territory for a long time. But now you can't have a certain group of people who say, hey, for free, I'm willing to really study up on all this art and tell people about it when they come visit the art museum. Sorry, you're rich and white, can't have you. What? Yeah. Yeah, there is a Maoist flavor to it. Their only sin is who they are and what they look like. There's no defense. 
And and we would much rather, rather as a society not have uh, the art education than have those evil, evil uh, bourgeoisie doing what they do. Yeah, yeah. It's 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 absolutely amazing. And then in a different category, I got another woke story for you right after we tell you about a great new thing from Simply Safe. Yeah, it's their new wireless outdoor security camera. It's it listen to this now. It's an ultra wide 140 degree field of view. So it like watches your whole front yard in the street or or whatever, your backyard. 1080p HD resolution, eight times zoom. So you can actually zoom in, see a face clearly, see a license plate clearly, even at night. This is so cool. You're going to want to set this up for certainly, yeah. 1080p HD resolution with an eight-time zoom. You can see a license plate or a face. And with the built-in spotlight and the easy-to-remove rechargeable battery, you can put it anywhere you want. You don't need an outlet anywhere on your property. You're going to nail those bad guys. Color night vision. Oh, yeah. To learn more about the exciting new Simply Safe wireless outdoor security camera, just visit simplysafe.com slash Armstrong. What's more, Simply Safe is celebrating the new camera by offering 20% off your entire new system. And your first month of monitoring service, which is quite reasonable, will be free when you enroll in interactive monitoring. Again, that's simplysafe.com slash Armstrong. Valued sponsor of the show, simplysafe.com slash Armstrong. So Larry Summer, I don't know if you remember him. Uh, he's a lefty Democrat, but not lefty really by today's standards. But he's a Democrat. He was in the Clinton administration. He was the president of Harvard. He got fired for saying that males tend to be better at, what, math and science than women, which is statistically Just true. On average, more boys are interested in these fields than girls. How dare you speak the truth? It but doesn't help the narrative. He said that loud, got fired by Harvard. Uh, he was in the Clinton administration. He's an economics guy, and he's a little concerned with the overlooking the realities of the way we're spending money in modern times because it, uh, it seems like it's... Um, the right thing to do from an equity standpoint. Uh, Here's a little of Larry Summers. We have a generation of central bankers who are defining themselves by their wokeness. They're defining themselves as by how socially concerned uh, they are. They've grown up and had their whole experience shaped by a period when inflation was below target. Here's a Bill Clinton-era Democrat who's saying, look, inflation's a problem. Uh, We've got all these problems, and we've got advisors and people running financial institutions that are looking at what's the best woke angle on all these stories and ignoring the reality of of just the numbers. And I'd like to hear a little more of that, honestly, because he was making the point, he just kind of touched on it, that all these people grew up in a period of... of uh, not only low inflation, but lower than they want it to be inflation, because a little inflation helps grow the economy, not to bore you with the details. But so he was saying these guys are not only woke, they've grown up in la la land where inflation doesn't even exist and they're making terrible decisions. Yeah, it, it's funny. Human nature is a weird thing. So all you need is a generation or two of peace and prosperity, apparently, and human beings forget that that's even a possibility. Uh, it's a poss- it's impossible for the economy to like really suffer and to have runaway inflation. It's impossible to ever end up in a world war again. All these things are impossible. Right. It it's like looking happened. at a black and white picture and that was of the past. It can never happen again. Yeah. Because we're in color now. God, when you have people from the Clinton economics team saying yeah, these woke bankers, ooh, they're scaring me. That's when you really should like open your eyes and pay attention. Holy crap. 
Yeah, yeah. Well, I tell you what, virtually everything Biden and company want to do is just falling apart. None of it's going through. So, you know, that's great news. Whether it rears its ugly head again, that giant francification bill, and and they take another shot at it. Well, I'm sure they will in one form or another. But if you're uh, for gridlock, for holding the line against these schemes, so far so good. You know what story is going to dominate for the next couple of months? The supply chain thing. It is just going to take over, and it ain't going away anytime soon. If you're not up to speed on this, you should stay tuned. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. It's taking three times longer to clear vessels at the ports compared to before the pandemic. And the Long Beach port is already working 24-7. Matt Schrapp, CEO of the Harbor Trucking Association, says working 24-7 won't solve everything. The best estimates that I've heard, this could be something that will be well into next Christmas, to be honest with you. Wow. Wow. Next Christmas. Not, yeah. Not only will the supply chain issue not be fixed by this Christmas, next Christmas. That's where we are on that. I've got more details on that, but first... Quickly this, have you heard about the Nike executive who admitted he murdered somebody, and he's being praised for his bravery in admitting it. It's a strange story. What? We'll talk about that hour four. If you don't get hour four live, you can grab it via podcast. It's Armstrong and Getty On Demand. Get it wherever podcasts are distributed, iHeartRadio, Apple, or just go to armstrongandgetty.com. Also, while you're there, the Let's Go Brandon A&G t-shirts flying off the shelves. Hilarious subtle it's 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 snarky yet classy in that classic a and g way come let's on. go brandon a euphemism for blank joe Biden. <laughs> people are loving them i'm loving mine get it armstrongandgetty.com so a tip of my cap if i were indeed wearing a hat uh to abc this week for doing a, a story uh, in depth of something that actually matters as opposed to your usual inside the beltway crap about who's up or down politics, this supply chain thing, we are all noticing and going to notice more and more as we go through Thanksgiving and Christmas and will in next year, as you just saw. Now, now I'm willing to listen to this, but if AOC says there's something mean about Ted Cruz or vice versa, we're going to go there live. Uh, it didn't occur to me. So I'm driving across the Bay Bridge headed to the Giants-Dodgers game a couple weeks ago, and I say to my son driving across the bridge, wow, look at all those Giant tankers out there. I'd never seen so many of those giant cargo ships. Ah, the container ships, yeah. The big giant container ships out in the bay. I mean, usually you see a couple, but I mean, there are like 20. They're everywhere. They were practically side by side. Well, if you've seen any of the footage or you've looked out your window if you're in the area, on all the container ships around Long Beach and L.A., they're just backed up and backed up and backed up. And it turns out those are the ones you can see beyond the horizon. They're lined up. For miles and miles and miles, too. Long Beach and L.A. are the two biggest ports in America. I think you could call them one port because you can see one from the other. But anyway, 40% of U.S. shipping containers come through the Long Beach and Los Angeles ports right there. Mm. And they're way, way, way backed up. Um, And there's a whole bunch of different things at play here. Now, first of all, the cost 
of doing business, of getting these containers off of these ships. Now, these big containers are about 20 feet long. They look like a railroad car, basically. And to give you an idea how many of them can be on one of these ships, the biggest ship in the world, now all ships aren't this big, but the biggest ship in the world holds 24,000 of these 20-foot containers. To give you an idea of how many that is, to unload that one ship, you would have to have semi-trucks that would extend uh, back-to-back for 90 miles. That's mind-boggling. It is mind-boggling. Enough to fill three malls on one of those ships. Wow. So that's a lot of malls that aren't going to have the stuff they need for the upcoming shopping season with all these ships backed up uh, off the shore on all the big ports up and down the coast. Is it just the vid, the the vid uh, interruption that did this? We got to lay this at the feet of the Chinese communists. Yeah, that doesn't get mentioned enough. That does not get mentioned enough. What John Stewart said, this is a man-made problem. How can we keep acting like it's something like a meteor hit or something? This is a man-made problem all the way through. Man made the disease, then man covered up the spread. It's very, very maddening. Um, But... There's no reason to think this is going to get fixed anytime soon. And what are the, what are the cost of these goods going to be once they finally start showing up into the stores? And ninety percent of the goods that you come across come across on a ship at some point. Ninety percent of the goods in the world. So absolutely everything. Toys keep getting mentioned because we're coming up on Christmas. But every pair of socks, every tube of toothpaste, deodorant, just everything. Wow. And. Uh, with the price of diesel and all all fuel going up as much as it is, it's going to get very expensive. In the past, it would cost about $1,300 to get one of those containers off a ship to where it needs to go in America. $1,300. Okay. $1,300. Currently, it costs $16,000 to get one of those containers to where it needs to go. That's how much the price has got. Uh, what the price of these items is going to end up being? I, I can't even imagine. Here's your tube of toothpaste. That'll be $45, please. If yeah. you can get it, we're all going to be running around. No deodorant, no teeth, toothpaste. We're stinking. We got rotten teeth. Good Lord. Well, I saw Carl Rove yesterday saying, I paid three and a half bucks for a thing of bacon a couple months ago. Now it's nine. People are going to mm. notice that. Yeah. 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 That is a major difference. But everything's going to be that way. And I don't think there's any getting around it at this point. Well, the Democrats, uh, Biden and company, to go back to this theme, are going to be citing that as reason for a giant new government handouts. Might play into their hands a little bit. If people are feeling increasingly desperate, they might be uh, more accommodating toward that idea. I hope not. Uh, a deeper dive on ports, um, for anybody that cares. For some reason, I was researching this last night. Port of Los Angeles is the 17th biggest, 17th biggest port in the world, even though it's... Uh, among our biggest, Port of Los, is our biggest, Port of Long Beach, 20th biggest in the world. The top 10 biggest ports in the world, seven of the top 10 are all in China, and like 18 of the top 20 or something. It's absolutely amazing. Biggest, biggest port in the world being in Shanghai, but China has just a ton of enormous ports shipping stuff in and out. I don't Big know if country. that's... Got a billion some people there. Yeah, I don't, I don't know if you know about that. I don't know if that's something we should be worried about or not. Or maybe they're just more efficient as they have more ports. I don't know. Well, they've also, you know, they sprung up so quickly and forcefully so recently. They've had a chance to build uh, fairly modern ports in a way that, you know, we're still trying to replace our antiquated stuff. But, uh, yeah, is this a problem? Of course it's a problem. We are so integrated uh, economically with a pat 
patently evil regime. Evil and dishonest and prone to do God knows what just to screw with us. It's like the mobsters. You never want to put yourself in a position where you owe them a favor. We owe China billions and billions of favors. Your joke, I'm nervous about it. But your joke about, you know, a $15 stick of deodorant or whatever, you might not be that far off. I don't. I, it's hard to imagine how something that went from around a grand to 16000 to ship each container, along with the other inflation that's involved at all different levels. Well, geez, I'm going to have to, I don't know, there's water shortages as well, so I don't, I don't know, go out back to the bird bath. Uh, you know, splash a little water on my craw, rub it with rose petals, and uh, we might go back to old timey times where it's just like, yeah, it's Saturday night, let's all bathe. All know. right, see you next Saturday for bathing. It's not your week for deodorant, honey. Start, Sorry, start darning socks again instead of throwing them out and buying another pair. You know, you sew whole uh, the little hole shut. People patting baby powder on themselves, or not baby powder? Like, uh, what do you what do you put in your fridge? Baking powder, baking soda. Yeah, to, instead of you got no deodorant. You're going to put that in your craw? Well, yeah, if you need to. I'm desperate. My craw is all, well, it's not good. An aggressive scent. You, you dig it out of the back of the fridge. I tell you what, with all due respect to the fridge needs, I need to get deodorized. And you splash it all over yourself. My craw is, well, it's not good. <laughs> and again, you walk by somebody who's growing roses, you just quick grab a rose, you stuff it in your front pocket, hope people don't notice your B.O. <laughs> it's going to be our new be- re- reality soon. Darn you laugh if, if you want. Darning socks and stinking with holes in the knees of our pants. Exactly. Dumpster diving, please. It's all coming. Eating rats. Are those giant South American rodents I was telling you about uh, earlier? Oh, this is a dark world you're picturing. Into like, yeah. in like what, in the next couple of weeks? Well, get ready. Get ready or you'll be caught unawares. And then uh, go to armstrongandgetty.com. If you miss a chunk of the show, grab Armstrong and Getty On Demand. Armstrong and Getty.